Hello everyone, I'm Chris Lim and you're listening to the Theotech Podcast. Our mission is to equip followers of Jesus with theology of technology that they can use in their daily lives. My guest today is Todd White. Todd is a software development manager at Faithlife, a tech company that creates digital platforms and tools to help churches grow in light of the Bible. Today we'll be discussing the engineering culture and software development process Faithlife uses to manage large product teams, honing in on how they build trust and balance the need for autonomy and teamwork. Todd, welcome to the show. Thank you. Could you tell us a little bit about Faith Life and uh, what it's been doing and the change it actually has gone from being uh, Logos Bible Software to Faith Life? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So Faith Life is a software company based uh, out of Bellingham, Washington, though it's been around for 29 years now, I believe. Bob Pritchett started the company after leaving Microsoft uh, sometime I want to say in the late 80s, um, early 90s, something like that. He, uh, yeah, he created the software primarily to, you know, get people studying the Bible. And over the last 29 years or so, we've been growing that Bible software. And we actually just this week launched Logos 9, which is pretty mm-hmm. exciting for us. Um, I think it's actually the 11th iteration, but we restarted counting at one at some point along there. So this is Logos 9. We've been uh, launching that. And that's a personal digital library that pastors, seminary students, and tons of other people use to study the Bible and and the material around that. And then I want to say 10 years ago, we started creating a new product called Proclaim, which was kind of this church presentation software that's online, collaborative, software as a service, kind of this idea of every church can make beautiful presentations right out of the box. Mm -hmm. And then over time, we started doing Uh, more stuff like that. We did a church communication platform called Faith Life. As that kept growing, they decided to change the name of the company to make it encompass more of everything that we were doing. So no longer were we just doing Bible software, but we're really doing everything to do with people's spiritual lives, faith life. So yeah, so the change kind of was this shift from not just doing the personal digital library, but now also doing a wide range of products for the church and uh, the change of the name kind of encompasses all of that and the breadth of everything that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And so that was a transition in your customers as well, I suppose, because you said that originally it was targeted at pastors and uh, seminarians and scholars. How did you guys make that shift in your customer base? So Logos, the product is still primarily business to customer. And again, I, I would say that it's primarily used by, you know, those people that are studying more in depth, mm-hmm. uh, but we've got a wide range of people that are using that product, hundreds of thousands that are using it every month to to study the Bible. And we're still doing that. And that's still very much business to customer. But these church products, Equip, which is this integrated ministry platform that doesn't just do Proclaim that I mentioned earlier and some of those other products, it actually does online giving and church website building and video streaming and uh, just a wide range of things uh, is more of a business to business relationship if you think of the church as a business so Mm -hmm. the change there is instead of individuals making this decision of hey i'm going to go buy a collection of a thousand books or so um, instead you're you're often working with uh, churches and churches often have committees and things like that that are making these decisions Mm -hmm. and those sales are a little bit different where you're trying to help them understand how this platform of all these different products can serve their needs and then they have to go back and convince, you know, whoever else, the other elders or whoever, you know, however their system works 
uh, to make that decision. So, so I think that's probably a big shift. Again, I don't work in that side as much, but that's my understanding of how it's changed. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think that even with uh, Theotech and our product Spiffio for real-time translation and accessibility for churches, uh, initially that's how we started. And we ran into exactly those challenges of board-based decision-making where you have to get so many stakeholders aligned and you have to, and they kind of want white glove service, but also at really, really cheap prices. And it was just such an interesting situation to try to navigate that. We had to focus so much on the real why, the real reason why people cared about translation and accessibility to be able to align everyone around the reason why it's worth doing. Have you found that to be the case even with Faith Life, where as a faith-oriented software technology company, you have to approach things in a unique way, both in how you build product as well as how you sell it? You know, again, I spend most of my time on the building side. In the building side, we're, we're still a software company. So we still use, you know, the technologies that you use to build a software. And so I don't know that we do much unique in approaching building the software from that perspective. I think that there are some maybe unique challenges in that we are broadly serving the entire Christian market. There's a pretty broad faith backgrounds and stuff like that that people come from in there, mm-hmm. right? Some from Protestant, Catholic, and even in Protestant, right? If you start breaking down into denominations and yeah. Orthodox and you know all these kind of things, there's a lot of faith traditions within the broad category of Christian traditions that mm-hmm. we have to be aware of. And so we, I think we probably have to be somewhat aware of, you know, this church is more liturgical, whereas this one's, you know, maybe this direction or things like that. But Mm. um, our mission is that we're, we use technology to equip the church to grow in the light of the Bible. So when you put the Bible as the center there, it kind of is that thing that we're, you know, selling them on the purpose here and pretty much all Christian traditions and faith backgrounds and stuff like that that are focused on the Bible are going to kind of just naturally be like, oh yeah, well, I, I care about the Bible and I'm going to buy Bible software that helps me study the Bible. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. That makes sense. Have you seen, uh, are you guys using things like uh, Scrum and other kinds of agile methodology for building your product? Or is there any kind of other practices that you guys do that you've adapted that's unique to your company culture? You know, we do use a lot of those agile, I would say lowercase agile methodologies. We've got teams that are using kind of what, you know, I think is called Kanban or Lean. And then we've got a number of teams that are using Scrum um, to varying extents. We don't really specify at a high level what exactly each team has to um, do and how they do that. And we do find that it's providing freedom and giving trust, going back to that Daniel Pink book where he talks about autonomy and being a thing that motivates people. The more we can provide autonomy, the more effective we think that our people can be in their roles. And so we try to find that balance of, you know, giving them the freedom and autonomy in their role and even in the way that they project manage and, and those kind of things. So, how do you yeah, balance- so we try to keep up to date on all those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. How do you balance that autonomy alongside just you know, management, like quality control and alignment with goals and competencies. Like that's kind of a very difficult thing to do, it seems like. Yeah. So I would say that we, again, we do, we do a lot of trust here and we do some kind of check-ins on a regular basis, you know, with things like every six months we do a manager feedback survey where we ask questions about your managers and people can provide feedback on whether their managers are doing a good job there or not. And then the managers on the flip side are meeting with their people, at least many of them on a team lead level are meeting with them weekly and um, have really good one-on-ones and you know work through those relationships. Good management is mostly 
relationships. I mean, often when you ask software developers in the interview process, even what's the hardest part of software development, it comes back to people and communication and things <laughs> like that, right? And so we put in as much things as we can in place to, to get people to be able to have those relationships and work through those things. And then those relationships are what I think counterbalances any fear that people have around losing control or, you know, the other extreme of autonomy, you know, providing too much autonomy would be on the other extreme would be micromanagement, right? And, and when you're micromanaging people, that leads to other possible problems, right? So, so I think we try and make up for giving freedom by having relationships. And when things go south, you use that trust to provide corrective feedback and hopefully positive feedback as well when things are going well. Mm-hmm. And like, what, you know, what actually leads to those healthy relationships? Because I know I, I'm a former, former uh, so- Amazon software engineer, and I know how easy it is for, for one-on-ones to fall off the map or to become very much oriented just around like, here's your tasks. How are you doing on your goals? You know, um, what kinds of ways, aside from just these check-ins and stuff, do, does your company create that culture where there's that trust and that, that relationship that connects beyond just like, here's the task, do the work. Yeah. So we do, we do a couple different things that are maybe outside. We do a demo day every Thursday. Uh, before we were, before COVID, we were actually meeting in a massive theater across the street. So, you know, it was like a 90 person or 150 person seating you know, place and all the software developers would go there and they would project, mm-hmm. there's a big projector that's projecting up what they're doing. And so developers would get a chance to get up and talk about what they're doing. And we're still doing that via Zoom now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we've got somewhere between 10 to 15 people each week. They're talking about the things that they're doing and the problems that they're solving and, and things like that. So, so you get some connection to people, you know, through that as well. And we also do every month we do, we use a tool called Lunchmates where we're randomly assigning uh, groups of four for people to go out to lunch with each other. And during, again, during COVID, mm. these are like virtual lunches and sometimes people playing like Jackbox games or, you know, mm. other kinds of online party games and stuff like that during these times to try and yeah. get to, to know each other. And so, so we're using, you know, we're trying to use those kind of tools to, to build up those relationships um, outside of just even those regular routines. And we, you know, people are more motivated to do those meeting in person and talk about non, you know, task related stuff when there's food involved and yeah. you're more casual and, you know, those kind of things. And then, you know, uh, yeah. And then I think, you know, as far as the culture goes, we have, you know, we have our corporate values, uh, which spells out hoagies, um, honesty, openness, awesomeness, growth, um, elegance, initiative, shipping. I think I maybe got them all. Um, yeah. This but then we work. also, we also have uh, some department values where we talk about three core areas uh, that, and we even use this when we're doing our interviews, when we're trying to evaluate a candidate, we talk about three core areas of stewardship, membership, and craftsmanship. And we kind of see them all three as equal. Typically, mm-hmm. when people talk about software development, they, they spend a lot of time focusing on that craftsmanship, like how good are you as a software engineer? You know, what's your breadth and depth and, you mm-hmm. know, those kinds of things. Uh, but the stewardship is, is all about we're entrusting you to get things done. You've been given, you've been given these things. We trust that you're going to be a good steward of these things that we've given you. You've got these projects, you've got this time, you've got this resources, those kind of things. And so we, we 
are looking for people that are good stewards of things when we're filtering and interviewing candidates. And then on the other side is membership, right? How are you participating in your daily standups and scrum? Um, and hopefully if you've got those daily standup and scrums going on, then the one-on-ones need to be less of those status meetings because those status meetings are already happening and you can focus in on what's this person struggling with or you know other things that might be um, coming up there. So again, I think some of those things maybe help. And again, we've got we've got like 120 people in our in our department of software development. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that we're failing in some areas and doing well in other areas. And it's a constant, you know, just balance and you know re readjusting mm-hmm. where we can. So yeah, what would you like? I, I have a lot of interesting questions talking about software development management. Uh, and and one of the, one of the curious ones is, is actually. What do you think is like uh, essential to an excellent software development manager, and what does it look like when when it's when they're not doing so well when they're in a different kind of pattern that's not actually delivering results for the team? Yeah, so I would say that the, the first thing that's probably key to any relationship because it's basically a relationship, right? Is mm-hmm. um, is trust. So I think that when you're building the trust. Uh, then you're going to be a more effective manager. So first and foremost, I would say that it's it's about building that trust with the people that you that mm-hmm. report to you. Um, mm-hmm. These people these people are often trusting you with something even as personal as their salary, right? They're they're protecting. They're expecting that you're going to go to bat for them when they're when it comes time for their promotions or raises mm-hmm. or you know those kind mm-hmm. of things. So so I think you really need to start with that 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 issue of trust. Make sure that you're. You know, you've got integrity and character and that these people understand. And it was popular, you know, a year or so ago to do these like um, readmes. I don't know if you saw that fad that was kind of going by for a bit where managers would kind of do this readme, like how you can get to know me. And I think, again, mm-hmm. at the heart of even that thing was to try and build this trust. Like here, here's how you can know more about me as your manager. You can understand how I'm thinking. I can be predictable to you. I can be, you know, mm-hmm. all these kind of things. Um, I think humility would be another a good one, right? Like mm-hmm. as a manager, uh, you know, especially like in my role, right? So I'm a manager of managers for the most part. And most of these managers know way more about their area of expertise than I could ever know, because I just don't spend that much time in that that space. And so that that trust has to be there both directions. I have to trust that they know what they're doing. And then, and then when they know something more than me, I have to be humble and defer to them on their um, to their expertise. Um, so I would say that those two things probably make up a good, or at least at the core piece of good management. Mm. Um, and then beyond that, I would say that, you know, how do you know when it, I think you asked the question, how do I know when it's going wrong or, yeah. Um, and I, again, I think that if you've got that trust and you've built that relationship with your reports, then they can provide that feedback directly to you. And if they don't, then that's why we do put in this, um, if, the, if those people aren't providing, that's why we provide this every six months, we send out a survey. I can't remember all the questions, but we've got some like 20 questions that we put on there with two sections being open-ended feedback uh, where people can anonymous, anonymously provide feedback on their manager. And so that's an opportunity for, uh, you know, at least every six months, if things have really gone off the rails for us to mm-hmm. gather that feedback and try and react and adapt and uh, figure out how to then take that feedback and and provide it to the person, you know, the individual so that they can grow through that. And so, um, yeah, so we've, we've got those kind of processes mm-hmm. in place to, to get, in, get things going. 
That's 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 good. Yeah. What do you think uh, is one really interesting technical challenge that one of your you know that your teams are working on that are you know inspiring for people to to who are really into software craftsmanship or you know artificial intelligence and machine learning and stuff? Just all the hot new technologies. What are one of those things that you think are really motivating for people to work on? So you know we don't have the scale that some of these big companies have or you know things like that. So one of, but one of the things that we do try to to do is we've got a product, a suite of products that are trying to be integrated with each other. So mm-hmm. we've got this Logos Bible software, which pastors have been using for 20 plus years, and many of them use it for preparing their sermons. And so we've got like one, one story that we have here is like the pastor goes in, he uses this tool called Sermon Editor or Sermon Builder might be what it got renamed to with Logos 9, I can't remember. And he's building out his sermon. And then from there, that sermon uh, can get published to the the proclaim software right because proclaim is our presentation software and the sermon is often used to you know go and present in front of a uh, an audience mm-hmm. and so you've got these slides that get generated automatically where we try and create nice beautiful slides like when you enter when the pastor is writing and puts a bible verse in his sermon editor he automatically gets a um a slide that is generated you know that has that bible verse on it or you know those kind of things and then you can automatically export that up to proclaim, which then you can use that presentation on your Sunday for your worship service. And in that worship service, we've also got the ability to record the audio from that presentation. So then that audio is being recorded. And we then later after the audio is recorded, we can actually create a video from what we know, which slides were on the screen at the same time that this is happening. That video can be get, get automatically produced and published over to Faith Life TV, which is our video streaming platform so that you can watch the service later. Or we actually even now have integrated, you know, live streaming and stuff like that that occurs in there as well. And, so, and then we've also got when Proclaim is being presented, uh, the mobile app where maybe the person in the congregation who's using our mobile app that has the bible verses on there Mm -hmm. uh, can get us a signal that automatically tells them hey this verse is now on the screen and just one tap you automatically open it so all of that to say though we've got these these software suite that is very you know spans a lot of different things and pieces of the people in the congregation and um, i think one of our technical challenges is trying to have that vision of how all these different projects and products can connect together. And again, mm-hmm. I think going back to that, what is one of the hardest problems of software development? It isn't necessarily technical, it's sometimes people, right? Getting this team over here to be aware of what this team over here is doing, which, you know, and what that team over there is doing, and then getting them to integrate their features and products together well um, can be can be a big challenge. Yeah, that is notoriously hard. Integration, end-to-end integration testing and everything else like that is always a place where things break. Uh... <laughs> So I think I want to close with the question um, that's related to the pandemic and the way our churches are experiencing a transformation right now. Um, You guys at Faith Life have probably had a front row seat to seeing churches having to go virtual and figuring out like how to do this in this time of this pandemic. And I wanted to ask what what you've seen, what you've experienced, what some of the big challenges are. And also, do you guys have a vision or a dream for what churches could be like once they've fully adopted digital technology um, and have become perhaps post-digital? Yeah, so I can speak for my personal. I don't know if I can speak for the company uh, on some of on some of this. Uh, my own opinion on things, right? We've we've got that mission of we use technology to equip the church to grow in the light of the Bible, and I think that we have done an excellent job with that during this pandemic. We've got uh, people that 
that want to study the Bible and Logos is a great tool for that, right? Like if the pastor can't go into his office, he still has access to all of his books, you know, from home or wherever he's at on his laptop because of, because of Logos and app.logos, you know, we've got, you can do it on your mobile, you can do it on your desktop, you can do it on the web and, and all those kind of things. And so we're seeing people continue to leverage and take advantage of that um, during the pandemic. Our team also launched live streaming, which was a big need early on, right? A lot of churches were like not allowed to meet all of a sudden in person. And they just didn't even, you know, they were like, oh, we'll do that live streaming thing someday. But then all of a sudden it was like, we got to do it now because our congregation, you know, needs some solution there. And so we built out a, a live streaming solution uh, a couple of weeks right before Easter uh, to help solve that problem for a number of uh, churches. For me personally, uh, I would like to see, you know, all of the technology just kind of fade into the background. Like I think, you know, we often used to say things like, and maybe we still say this, that Logos Bible software is a, a time machine. It saves you time. It, uh, makes you so you have to spend less time opening and flipping through books and stuff like that, right? You can find what you're looking for really quickly and, and then spend less time in that particular task. And I think that that's true with all of the tools that we want to build. We want the technology to, to ultimately fade into the background. We want it to just be this tool that people use to be, be successful at the things that they want to do. I think that, you know, we see a lot of churches, again, I personally think that we're seeing a lot of churches pushing back against some of the restrictions that their counties and stuff like that have put on them because uh, they really want to connect with people. Uh, meeting together and worshiping together is a deeply spiritual act for, for many people. And, you know, it's kind of like, like people have their favorite bands, right? And they listen to their favorite band, but they still go to concerts because there's something about going to a concert that is different, right? That excites you about that and connects you with this group of people and, and things like that. And, and I think for worship services and people that you know are, are going to, to churches, uh, they've got that same sense of connectedness and connection uh, that, they, that they really want. And so I think the more that we can help people find and share biblical answers through the technology that we're doing and help individuals in their church with life struggles and serving one another and all those kind of things while the technology just kind of fades into the background and those people are doing what they ultimately wanted to do. Um, I think that's great. I think that's, that's what I hope we're doing during the pandemic. And I hope that we're what we can do even post pandemic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How, I, what, are, what are some of the ways that the digital technology is helping in the present besides live streaming? I know everyone has done live streaming, but I've heard from many people the struggle seems to be that uh, you can't really form new relationships very well when you're online. I think that if I already have a close relationship with you or something and we do a Zoom call that actually could still work, we could still connect to each other. But it's really hard to have that kind of cross-pollinating effect that churches can have when they, when they met in person where you could just drop by a visit and meet new people. Uh, have you seen ways technology is helping with things like that that uh, are kind of the big struggles that churches are facing right now? I have not. And I, again, I think that's why churches are pushing back and meeting in person still. Mm. Um, I think that there, it is hard to have those relationships. We're even seeing, you know, employees who want to get back to the office and meet in person more and, and those kind of things too. And it's, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know of any other, you know, things. Yeah. I know that people are using more technology to communicate and stuff like that, but it's, it's, it is that it's, that's, it is hard. Serving yeah. somebody is, is challenging, you know, when it's, when it's removed from 
actual physical presence. Yeah, mm. I don't know. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting to hear from, from you, especially as a software development manager yourself working in digital technology to have that bit of pushback that, you know, there, there's really some experiences that you feel even with digital, we may not have an, an ultimately innovative solution that can address that. Um, yeah. yeah, that's very interesting to hear. What do you think is the biggest benefit then to adopting digital technology? Um, and I, I, like my, I'm of the opinion that really this pandemic has been an opportunity because it's disrupted the status quo and made it possible for us to make mistakes and experiment so that we can figure out the most effective way in our churches to use this technology. I don't think that we all have, we have any of the answers, but I've been actually concerned by the, just like the big push to try to go back to in-person because not because it's not good to meet in person, but actually because it's really hard to do digital and in-person well at the same time. When you are in person, you can't focus on making a great digital experience because Everything is focused on making sure everyone's social distance, that everyone's safe, that the building is, you know, set up right and everything. Uh, and you can always live stream that, but you're not actually able to give attention to your digital presence and make it very engaging for the people who don't feel safe and want to do it virtually. The most they do is just kind of consume it like a, you know, like a Netflix movie or like a live stream concert, but you don't get the same kind of opportunities for engagement that you could do when you're all online. So that's been, that's been my take on it. And I was kind of, I guess I'm just throwing the question out there about like, you know, what are the places where you see digital really enhancing beyond what we could do pre-pandemic, this experience of church for people? Yeah, that's a, I don't know if I've got a good answer on that one. I've seen some churches and things like that using, you know, Facebook Live and YouTube Live and even, you know, Faith Life Live and stuff like that. And one of mm -hmm. the things that some of them do like is that streaming chat that goes on, right? Which is a little weird, right? Like normally when you go to church, like it's different, right? When yeah. you normally go to church and you're sitting there listening to the pastor, you're not talking to other people, everybody's right? Everybody's quiet. <laughs> right, everybody's quiet. But when you're in this situation, you like there's something different where you might even feel comfortable starting to, you know, chat. You can actually like kind of engage with points that the pastor's saying as he's saying it and maybe, you know, get expressed thoughts and, you know, stuff like that. And I'm sure that there's probably churches, I haven't heard this, but I'm sure there's churches that are even probably looking at ways to dynamically change the way the content the preachers mm. preaching as that's going on or something, right? Like you can imagine a world where that'd be different, but I, I have not heard about that personally or, or seen or inter, interacted mm. with any of that, but. Um, Interesting. So you have more of an interaction, more interactive future actually during the engagement right. with the sermon to right. the point of almost becoming co-creation or at least yeah. a whole new level of creation alongside the pastor sermon. Yeah. And that's interesting. Cool. Yeah. Again, a time, time savings is a big one with technology you know, the automation and things like that can save people a lot of manual time, but I don't know how much that, you know, is different than what we've had pre-pandemic. Yeah, that one seems to be more of just automation that we've always had available to us. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, Todd, for this uh, interesting discussion about digital technology for the church and how Faith Life is helping the church to grow in light of the Bible. Uh, and I think that uh, all your ideas about software development management and kind of the unique aspects of building a software company that focuses on churches have been really insightful for me today. If you're looking to work for a company using technology to help the church grow in light of the Bible, go to faithlife.com careers to see their current openings. And if you find a good fit, be sure to mention Theotech as the referral source to help support this podcast. You can also support Theotech by visiting patreon.com slash theotech and becoming one of our regular patrons. In closing, I want to thank all the patrons who make this show possible and all of you for listening. And until next time, God bless.